Maybe don't know. Maybe don't know. This time, 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 What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Chris Hampton. And this is Nate Drolet. And together we form Ozzy and Harriet. Do you understand the what I'm trying to get at there? Yes. What am I getting at? Ozzy Osbourne? No! Hell no. no. Uh, Ozzy Osbourne. Wait, what is her? His... I'm going to Australia. Ozzy. Soon. Harriet. I don't o- know. Oz, O-Z, Australia. Wait, what was Harriet then? I have no idea. Oh. That just popped in my head. It was a trap. <laughs> I don't think Ozzy Osbourne is the Ozzy and Ozzy and Harriet either. No. No. It's Ozzy and Sharon, I think. That yeah, yeah. But I don't think they're like nearly as iconic as Ozzy and Harriet. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> uh, but yeah, going to Australia soon. It almost didn't happen. The Australian government... Even I'm I'm gonna say this right now, Australia. <laughs> I love you all already, but even though your country was settled as a penal colony, is that true? By the way, I'm I think it's sure. true. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe this is maybe these are false history. You know, fake news. I don't know. But it took me three and a half hours to fill out my application for a visa. Because they need to know every single time I've ever broken the law in my entire life. (laughs) And they didn't give me enough characters to fill it out. So I had to attach it as a PDF, which was terrifying. (laughs) Because I thought for sure they weren't going to let me in. Maybe it's like Boy Scout badges there. They just need to know what to pin pin on you whenever you get down. That's true. Maybe they're stoked that I've got so many charges in my distant past. Yeah, exactly. Oh, sick. Australia, we're friends already. Um... But yeah, it is happening. They did they did decide to let me in, so we are going. And uh, I will be at, for all of you in Australia, I will be at Sydney Indoor Climbing Gym, Villawood. I will be at North Walls in Melbourne. I will be at Portside Boulders in Perth. And I'll also be spending some time in Blackheath in the Blue Mountains uh, with some friends of mine and in the Grampians and Arapiles area, which I just heard they're shutting down some of the Grampians, like cultural, archaeological reasons, and that kind of sucks, but, you know, we'll just have to honor that. I think that's the thing Mm -hmm. to do. Yeah. Follow the local traditions and ethics and culture best we can, so trying to keep up on what's going on out there so I don't end up on a shutdown route that, you know, will shut down the day before and then I'm that guy. Yeah. Trying not to be that guy. Uh, we are in Waco Tanks. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different because Nate and I recently asked for topics on the Instagram and a bunch of you came through with some really great ideas that we were sort of able to put into a little linear progression for the conversation. And if we don't get to your question, it's either going to be a future 
standalone board meeting or you're just Drew Mack spamming us because you want to be on another board meeting. It's not going to work, Drew. Not going to work, Drew. Sorry. Um, you've had too much time this year, Drew, in the last 12 months. We're not giving you any more. So I guess we should just jump into this since we're, rather than, you know, asking what you've been up to, we're kind of going to talk about what you've been up to here, right? Yeah. Yeah. So just jumping in. The first question comes from Murdoch Taylor, and he just said prepping for a big trip. He wants to know about prepping for a big trip, and when going on a long climbing trip, should you stick to one discipline? And, I mean, the prep is a big, gigantic part of going on these kind of trips. Even if you're a relatively full-time climber, if you've got objectives in the place where you're going, you want to put some sort of prep in other than just hope, you know? Yeah. I mean, hope's much easier than training, but it doesn't work nearly as well most of the time. Thoughts and prayers for my crimp strength, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I need thoughts and prayers for my crimp strength. Sloper strength's another story, but prayers, please, for my cramps. Uh, so tell me a little bit about prepping for for your trip and what kind of the global basic ideas behind it were how did you decide on how you were going to prep that sort of thing yeah um for me this trip was a bit different than normal uh, because i've been telling everyone that i'm going to start sport climbing again um who knows if it's actually going to happen and now you're in waco i know and people are like hey you should go to joe's i'm like that sounds great (laughs) um so prepping before this trip um I, so this is one of the first times I've ever been fairly open with my goals before. Uh, I plan on going to the red after this and I want to try and do Southern smoke. That's plan. Mm -hmm. And in the fall, I tried that as well as the boulder problem that leads into it, uh, for the direct and the boulder problems somewhere around V12 or so. And so my goal now is to just get a lot of endurance and be able to climb V12, um, which Which, is, which sounds like they're at odds. A little bit. Um, (laughs) It's super cool though, because this is the first time, this is the first time I've ever been on a route that I was like, oh, this is what people mean when they say really play to your strengths when you try and climb something hard. Mm -hmm. Um, I think like I've always been just attracted to different styles of routes. And this is the first time I've been like, okay, yeah, this is like, it's a sandstone power boulder into a sandstone like endurance route it'd be really weird if it was a sandstone power boulder into a granite tech fest what if it was sinks canyon you traversed from the sandstone (laughs) through the limestone into the granite i wonder if you could that would be a lot of traversing um (laughs) but yeah so it's one of those things that fits me really well it's super fun um and so i'm psyched to try it so right now in waco uh my goal here is supposed to be climbing a lot of volume so that I get really, I stay really fit and continue building fitness so that when I get to the red, I'm doing all that. Um, But in the back of my head, when I was preparing for this, I knew that that wouldn't be the only thing I would do. Um, So I was doing a ton of endurance training before this. And then I was also just trying really hard boulders in the gym um, because I want to try and send some hard things. Yeah. And V12 is hard. I mean, yeah. You know, you're going to have to be climbing V12. And if you don't do the V12, your endurance means shit because it's right off the ground. Exactly. So you have to 
get through the V12 in order to apply the endurance you've gained. So mm-hmm. might as well prepare for what's coming first. Yeah. Um, so preparing for this trip, I had uh, around six weeks or so. Um, first half of that, I spent doing a lot of volume, um, mostly on boulders. So I had sport climbed for a lot of the last year. So I wanted to rack up mileage on boulders so that my body got used to doing more and more difficult moves. Um, and then for the second half of that, I started sharpening down. So doing less moves, but more difficult, a um, lot more rest and trying to more or less kind of taper down a little bit so that I would be a bit more fresh and I was able to have enough energy that I could try what for me felt like really hard moves. Yeah. Did uh, six weeks feel like long enough for you? It's hard saying. Um, I honestly, uh, it's funny because I was training on the tension board a bunch before I got here and I was trying Ben Spanith and Will Anglin's boulders. That's a mistake. Yeah. Can't, <laughs> apparently I don't climb V8. I mean, if you want to feel like you suck, that's a really great thing to do. Yeah. And so I was just getting crushed. Um, and then I came here and I was like, oh, I feel the strongest I've ever been. So. Yeah. You came in here quick. Like yeah. day one, we climbed together. I think that's the only day we've climbed together. Is that right? I think so. And you repeated a, a 10 really quickly. First first try, you repeated it, I think. Mm-hmm. And then did a nine. And then did you do another 10 that day? No, I tried to repeat Rumble. No, we played on Rumble that day. Yeah. That's right. <clears throat> um, so that was my get back into a day. Yeah. So that was good, you know. Uh, <laughs> do as I say, not as I do, folks. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so the original plan was I was going to get here, take my time, really go kind of slow. And even from day one after having taken a couple of days off, because I took more or less a deload week, mm-hmm. um, like five days pr- completely off actually. Um, drove here and like travel always wrecks me. I got here and that was my first, the day after travel, um, I got here and I was like, oh, I feel really good like a little clumsy from not climbing for a week and like traveling but like i know how things are supposed to feel and i was like this is this is a good sign um so i kind of went out of the gate pretty hard Mm -hmm. uh, a little harder than maybe (laughs) uh should have but weather was good and i was psyched yeah um so yeah overall i'm super happy with how like for six weeks um i think things went really well like ideally i would have liked longer yeah um and you know most people Whenever they go on trips, let's say you're going to go on a two-week trip, your preparation is going to be, you know, fairly long, much yep. longer than the trip itself. Yep. So there's a, I think it's really important to put a lot of thought into it. Were there any big, like, lessons you learned that you either didn't know or had, you just needed reminding of? That... Will and Ben are full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that. I could have just told you that if you'd have asked. Um. <laughs> Man, endurance work blows. Like, that's it's a just, fact. It's just exhausting. Yeah. Like, in this, just it's one of those things. Bouldering is so easy. Boulder training is so easy. Yep. Um, you know, it's it's hard in the moment. Like when you pull on, you need to be giving a very high effort. In that, I, to me, is more mentally exhausting than physically. To be able to rev yourself up, try hard, you know, come down reanalyze the boulder, see how can I climb better? How can I, you know, how can I move better? How I can do everything? And then do that again, climb with complete confidence as if you're going to just rip the holds from the wall, even though you know you're going to fall in the first move. Yep. Um, that for me is more mentally challenging, but man, fitness work is just exhausting. Like, so my first three weeks, it was 
a lot of work on the tread wall, a lot of boulder circuits, a lot of like on the minute boulders mm -hmm. to build that base. And man, it's just tiring. Um, and I, <clears throat> yeah, it, it gave me a healthy respect for that type of training. Cause I just haven't done that type of endurance training in a gym in so long. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's hard. Um, yeah. So I'd say that for me was a big thing. Cool. My, I, th I feel like our trainings looked sort of opposite. Um, you know, you had a big base already of double digit boulders that you've done and, and the confidence to do them. And that was something I was really trying to build going into this trip. And I had a really quick turnaround. I think we had just over four weeks between the Red River season, which basically was not a season at all. Rain. And yeah, it was rain. And leaving to come to Waco. <clears throat> yeah, so, it's a super quick turnaround. So those four weeks I was a little nervous about, you know, coming on a big trip where I have big goals. Um, and this is kind of the start of the goals. I wasn't, my goals did not end here. I didn't think I'm going to come to Waco and climb V12 immediately, you know, having done a handful of V10s in the past. Mm -hmm. But I knew it could be a really good start to this big goal. And four weeks didn't seem like enough. So I really, really buckled down, focused on finger strength and power and just how to try hard. And and I gained a ton of confidence in the gym. You know, I get to climb with some strong guys in the gym, Tony Stark and BJ Tilden and... Uh, Wait, Iron Man? Iron Man, yeah. Tony Stark, <laughs> Iron Man. And Kyle Elmquist. And there's all these really strong dudes who have really specific strengths. Mm-hmm. Um, that I can play off of and watch them climb and learn from. And it's cool, frankly, you know, even though comparison can be really dangerous, I, I enjoy failing on their boulders, but it's also enjoyable for me to see them fail on my boulders. You know, <laughs> if BJ doesn't flash a boulder that was my project, success, then I'm fucking stoked. Doesn't matter if he has the flu. No, it doesn't matter at all. Taking it. I, I could hit him with a metal pipe as he's walking <laughs> in the gym and I would get just as much enjoyment if he falls on my boulder. <laughs> but but that, you know, happened more and more as we went and I got stronger and stronger and felt really confident. One of the big lessons I learned, though, is to not get greedy hmm. and to really really pay attention in detail to how your sessions look movement wise totally because my literally my last scheduled training day before the trip i was firing on all cylinders i felt like i was the strongest i'd ever been at the end of my warm-ups i did a three strike circuit of three boulders all three of which were v10 or harder and i did them all first try i felt like a superhero. I remember this day. I wasn't even in the same state. <laughs> and then I just kept trying harder and harder and harder boulders, not realizing until looking back in retrospect that all of them contained hard right heel hooks. And near the end of my limit bouldering time, 
I felt something pop in my knee. And immediately I knew, you know, immediately I'm cussing myself out. Like, mm-hmm. you're a fucking stupid idiot. What did you just do? You know? Yeah. And at first I thought, freak accident. There was nothing indicating this was going to happen. But then when I looked back, I'm like, oh, yeah, two of my three-strike circuit had hard right heel hooks. Two of my limit boulders had hard right heel hooks. And then this one that I was making up, hard right heel hook, you know. Yeah. So I should have known. And I just got a little greedy. I could have toned it back. I could have paid more attention to the variety of movement. Um, But I didn't. And I think that's a, a lesson that a lot of people need to learn when they're prepping for a big trip is you can't cram. Yeah. You shouldn't get greedy. You know, you can make, depending on how long your training plan is, you get to make as much advancement as you have time for, but that's what you get. You can't Mm -hmm. cram and get more. So, so just be patient with it and, you know, prepare the best that you can. Do you prepare for specific objectives? Totally. Um, yeah, and actually one quick point before we move on on that. Um, this is, I think, a really big, it's a very common thing that a lot of people, I think, don't realize they're doing. So um, there's this idea of kind of overcorrecting course. So something goes wrong and you freak out. Most commonly we see this with you know, something happens in life. Either you have an injury, maybe you have friends who you who decide that three of them are going to get married in October, so you only have one climbable weekend that October. Um, you know, some sort of catastrophic <laughs> event in life happens. Yeah. And you're like, okay, fuck it. Beer and pizza. Did you just say night. weddings are a catastrophic event? Yes. Okay. And one of my, <laughs> one of my clients knows I'm speaking directly to him right now. That was his last fall. Um but, and who gets married in the fall? Um, but if you're a climber, don't ever do that. Yeah, come I'm on. I'm just saying. Um, but it's very easy when something goes wrong. Let's say, you know, like your knee gets hurt. Um, it's very easy to say, you know what? Fuck it. Like, I'm, I'm just going to rest for a while. I'm going to take the next two months off. Or maybe you say, maybe you have good intentions. You're like, I'm going to take a week off. A week turns into two, two turns to six, whatever. Um, and so that is overcorrecting course in the wrong way. Yep. You know, you say, you just kind of throw your hands up and say, you know, what can I do? Um, and the other direction is, and this is exactly what happened to you, and this happens more often than a lot of people like to admit, um, you go into the gym and you're like, I feel like a champ today. Man, we all have those days where you just feel light, you feel snappy, you're powerful, and you just want to rip holds off the wall. You send everything you wanted to do, and you're like, okay, what's next? And before you know it, this has turned into just a marathon session yep. that takes you something like a week and a half to <clears throat> actually recover from. Like, yep. you know, maybe you'll be climbing in a few days, but you won't have another good session for, you know, a week, two weeks. Um, and this is... And that's assuming you don't keep pushing it. Totally. You know, and dig yourself into a big hole. Yeah. Um, but it's a fairly common thing. And I think it's something that's not thought of as an issue. Because you're like, well, I'm, I feel great. I'm going to... I'm going to use this all up right now. Right. Um, but yeah, it can turn into a real issue. Um, but as for training for specific objectives, um, I I definitely consider it while I'm training. I always have specific goals on different trips. 
And I try not to put too much emphasis on them. Um, so if let's say if I was training for six weeks, like I was for this, um, very first three weeks, that's much more general. And maybe as I start getting closer and closer, I might start adding in simulator moves for certain projects mm -hmm. or, um, you know, coming mm -hmm. out to Waco, I was doing a lot of like banded monster walks, which is just, you wrap a band around your ankles and you- you wanted to be really strong at hiking up the chains. You scuttle side to side like a crab, basically. <laughs> um, but you do a lot of like heel hooks that yep. for a lot of people mess up their knees, mess mm -hmm. up their hips. Um, so I do a little bit of prep in that sense, uh, like Copenhagen planks, which is like a, you just Google that one. Um, <laughs> but different, like I'll do things like that to, uh, like as part of my warm up prep, just to make my knees a little more robust feeling. Um, and they take all, you know, I'll do them between boulders. Uh, it takes all of an extra three you're minutes. Just trying to throw this in my face? Is that what you're doing right now? Yeah, no. I um, <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> um, but no, so I'll do things like that um, for a trip like this. And then I'll start adding in simulator moves. Um, like years ago when I wanted to go try and flash uh, Finger Hut, um, like the few weeks before the trip, I had made up a boulder in the gym that just had the opening move on it. Because I knew if, in my mind, if I could do the opening move, I could flash the boulder. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I would do my warm up until I was pretty fresh. And then I would go and I would do that move a few times. Then I'd go to the rest of my session. How'd you know the opening move was accurate? Um, from watching videos. Okay. Uh, there's so you video. just set it based on the videos. Yeah. Um, and I've seen enough videos and then mm. later climbed on those that I can guess people's heights or there's enough people who their height is already published. Yeah. So I can kind of take a look and, you know, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, trial and error. Yeah. Um, I got pretty good at figuring out how to set good simulators, which for me, like the biggest thing for anyone who wants to do this, be as general as possible. Yeah. You're just looking for whatever makes the move weird or whatever makes it hard for you. So for me, it, it on that move, it was weird that I had to pull with my left arm and left leg at the same time and cross over. Right. It was a very off-balance move. Um, I wasn't worried at all whether the holds were the right size, whether the feet were the feet were more or less in the right place, but I wasn't worried if they were shaped identical to the project. It was, can I nail this move? Um, and it worked. Like, And that's how I've always done simulators. So... And I'll do the same thing. Um, like I did the same thing before this trip, like on the 2016, the original Moonboard set, um, there's a perfect simulator for full Monty already mm. there. All the holds are a little larger than what you want, but the movement's perfect for me, like for my body and for what I need. So I would go, I'd warm up and I'd go do that a few times. Um, but yeah. Cool. Yeah, I kind of did the same, um, not simulator wise, but... You know, I know that my strengths and my best chances at reaching these goals that I've set are in the realm of compression, slopers, particularly steep compression. Yeah. You know, so so that's the route that I went. I just, I've spent a lot of time on that in the gym and to the point where Annalisa had to like check me one day <laughs> and was like, 
You haven't grabbed a single fucking crimp in the last two weeks. You're I'm secretly like, sneaking in at night, taking uh, the crimps off and replacing them with slopers. You're right. I haven't. Um, I had been hangboarding, you know, but mm-hmm. but I hadn't climbed on any crimps. So I did. And there's a difference. And there is definitely a difference. So I did change that up a little bit, knowing that I would encounter crimps even on the compression boulders. You know, you're still yeah. going to encounter crimps. Compression doesn't mean all slopers. Yeah. Oftentimes you're compressing between tiny little crimps. So crimpression. Crimpression. Um, do you feel like back to Murdoch Taylor's other question here? Do you feel like on a long climbing trip you should stick to one discipline? This is a. It's kind of a big question. Yeah. So if we're looking globally as far as disciplines go, uh, like sport climbing versus bouldering versus whatever else exists out there. Um, then I'd say it kind of depends, like, you know, what you're doing. You know, I know plenty of people who they may take a three-week-long trip and they want to stop and do some easy trad and then some sport climbing. Then they're going to go bouldering just because this is this big road trip that they want to do. Right. Um, If you're trying to red point your hardest ever, man, that's a hard way to do it. Um, Though... There are some places where I think it's great to be able to split things up. Um, Squamish and Yosemite. Mm. I, man, when I went bouldering in Yosemite, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. So I was just, I was there for two weeks, only had bouldering gear. And I thought it was so cool. I met all these people who they would be trying these walls and they'd go hard for like, you know, a week up on the wall, come down, you know, rest a few days. And then they would go bouldering for, you know, five, six days or something until they were psyched to like, get back up after it. Yep. And man, they were so strong and so fit. Yep. And I thought that was so rad to be able to just alternate between the two. You know, and the work that they were doing, you know, these people who were trying things up for them were quite difficult up on like big walls. And so to then come down, power up on boulders, I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Totally. Um, You know, I think that's just such a great way to experience climbing. And Squamish is another example, though I haven't spent time there yet. Um, you can go and climb a bunch of easy gear climbs as well as go bouldering on amazing granite. I'd, you know, I'd say if that's something you can do, shoot, I would. Yeah, and I feel like if you're going to experience an area, you should do that. You know, like when I go to the Grampians, I'm not going to just sport climb or just boulder. I'm going to do a little of both. Totally. My goal in the Grampians is to experience the Grampians and I would like to take some big giant falls off the Taipan wall. Like, I hear that's what happens. That's really the goal. I don't I don't really care if I send much of anything. I just want to climb there. And I'd also like to sneak over to Mount Arapiles and do some easy trad because I've heard it's the best easy trad on the planet. I've you never know? heard this. And that's one of Annalise's favorite things is to follow easy <laughs> trad. So, so we're going to do all three maybe in the matter of you know, every week we'll do all three. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't see any reason why you have to stick to one discipline unless that's your goal. If you have a big goal that's going to take some time, some focus, some dedication, then maybe you should consider slimming it down to one discipline. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, if the goal is experience the area or go have fun and do whatever, I think you should pack the pads, the rack, and the quick draws. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, I completely agree. I mean, this is a great example. There's, uh, what is it, Sea of Holes here? It's a 10A that yep. something like 
close to 300 feet with only a handful of bolts on it, you know, 20, 30 foot runouts. Mm-hmm. But I know plenty of people who will go out, do that as a rest day. They'll go up that and it may, get, takes you to the summit of North Mountain. It's supposed to be amazing climbing. Um, and man, what a great way to spend a day without, you know, if you're doing that, that's not going to tax you that much to then go try a steep power boulder the next day. Right. Totally. Um, so <clears throat> I think it's fine to switch up disciplines. Um, if I, you know, if I was trying to boulder my absolute hardest while also trying to send Manus cave routes in the red or something like that, that might be hard. Um, though it could be your goal. I mean, shoot a good example. Um, one thing that I thought was so cool was, uh, two Septembers ago, I was bouldering up in Rocky Mountain National Park and uh, climbed with Seagrist a few days. And he was trying the West Dunby at the time, uh, which is a 13D, I think, mm-hmm. on, on uh, up on the diamond. So massive hike in, massive hike out. He was hiking in, mini tractioning the whole thing um, to work it out, hiking out. <clears throat> and then he would want, you know, a little time off. So he would come up and boulder and send like new V11 through V14s. Right. up in the park until he was psyched to go back. And he kept alternating back and forth. And he sent, you know, the Wheel of Wolf, or not Wheel of Wolf, uh, Wheel of Chaos that year, which is V14, um, as well as a couple V13s. And he sent the West done by. Yep. So, I mean, that said, Jonathan's an absolute freak of nature when it comes to overall work capacity. Yeah, but did he do V to V510? <sighs> Let's be serious. Does it go? <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think... You know, it can definitely work out to your favor if that's something you get a lot of enjoyment out of. Man, I say get after it. Yep, do it, totally. And that sort of brings us right to a question that I'd like to get to before we take a little break um, from a crummy life. (laughs) And the question was just best and worst uses of a road trip. And I feel like this could go a lot of different directions. Anywhere from like best road trip is obviously you send all the things. Yep. And worst road trip for some people could this also could be the best road trip for some people is that you just go on a cocaine and hooker spree across Nevada. <laughs> you know, so I don't know exactly what a crummy life is looking for here, um, but you said you were excited for this question. So wait, I thought I was excited for one of the other ones. Um, no way, dude. You said best and worst uses of a road trip you were excited I just about. think it's a, it's a really funny question. <laughs> um, no, it's, <clears throat> you know, it it kind of depends on what you're looking for. Um, as far as, I'll start with crummy because that appeals to me. Um, man, if it, don't go somewhere where it's bad weather, if you can help it. Yeah, for sure. Like um, your worst the worst use of a road trip in October is the Red River Gorge. No kidding. Don't do it. Yeah. It's not <laughs> Rocktober, y'all. They lied. No. Global warming is real. Um, man, as far as bad uses go, I don't know. Like, I feel like, well, I guess let's start with good. Road trip should be fun. It should be, you know, if you send shit, sick. That's awesome. Um, but depending on what you do, you know, if you work a nine to five and you only have a few weeks off a year, like that should be something to where <clears throat> it's a ton of fun. It should revitalize you. Right. Yeah. You know, you just said something that, that 
reminded me of something from like my early road trips. To Vedavu? Uh, yeah, all to Vedavu, you're right. I would go to one zone. Like I would go to one place and I would climb in Vedavu. And everybody would be like, why are you only going to this one place? <laughs> we should go here and here and here and here and here. And I'm like, I don't want to visit every single area that I can get to. I want to try really hard in this one area. And at the time, I was like, these other people are stupid. But now I realize it's a, it's just a different goal. You know, if you want to go out and you want to climb in one zone per day and switch zones every day, and that's your goal, go for it. If you want to climb really hard in an area, you should stick to that area. But if, if you want to climb really hard in an area and then you plan a road trip where you're only there for three days, it's not going to happen, you know, unless you're Alex Magos, mm-hmm. um, but, or Ondra, obviously. So your, your road trip should definitely look like your goals, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Like it, you know, it's what motivates you, like what gets you psyched. Um, I think... You know, one thing, and I've heard, I've heard mixed tales of this, but uh, man, if you're going on a road trip with someone else, who you go with is very important. Oh, hugely. Um, and <laughs> if you're if you're a mercenary of rock like Ava Lopez, you know, sometimes you just <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. I love that. Like it doesn't matter if like it's just a terrible person or that you don't get along with or whatever it is. You know, you if you just have to get out, you have to get out, and that's yep. your own personality, but. You know, for a lot of people, a lot of trips that I've talked with people about who, when they've had a bad time, the biggest thing for them is that they just didn't jive with the other person. Maybe this person, they're like, man, I wanted to go, when we went to France, I wanted to go to museums. I wanted to see art. I wanted to travel. And they just wanted to go rock climbing every day. You know, and that's, or vice versa. You should know that shit before you go on the road trip. Totally. Um, and not that there's anything wrong with either of those things, but it's really good to have partners that you jive with in that way. Yep. Partners and a plan. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think that's really the only bad use of a road trip is not planning it, not knowing what you're getting into, but having a hope of doing something specific. Yeah. You know, if you, if you want something specific plan for that if you if you just want to go with the flow that's great go do it but don't have any big goals mm-hmm. yeah uh, maybe we should do one more before we yeah before we take a break here um, from climber Carter I would love to hear about turning training into performance how to transition etc and for some people this is a really tough one um <clears throat> I feel like I've never had a lot of trouble with this, maybe because I've always been more comfortable on rock than I am in the gym. Um, so my my training shows up pretty quickly outside. But there's definitely a learning curve to it, and I think you have to plan for that learning curve. You know, even though I feel more comfortable on rock than I do in the gym, that that's changing a little bit because I'm spending more and more time indoors. Mm-hmm. In fact, there were definitely days here in Waco where I was like, I just want to be climbing in the machine shop. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you have to, 
plan in that transition time. Mm-hmm. Almost nobody, unless you're, you know, unless you've spent three times the amount of time on rock that you have on plastic, you're not going to go outside day one and be immediately performing at your best. It's going to take some transition time. Mm-hmm. Is there a magic number, do you think? Like number of days you should be outside? Um, no, I don't think so. Um, it. I feel like most places that I've been and most people I talk with, two weeks, it seems like there's this magical, magic bullet number. Um, <laughs> magic bullet number. Yeah. Um <laughs> But for this, a lot of this people, is from the Kennedy assassination, is that yes? Okay, um, I've been listening to a lot of Kennedy podcasts lately, so <laughs> um, so I don't know. What would that end up being? Probably like seven outdoor days, eight outdoor days, something like that. Um, for a lot of people, it's funny. The more I travel, the more people will be like, "Oh yeah, you just got to rifle. Don't worry. It just takes two weeks, and then after that, you'll like you'll trust all the feet. It'll all be smooth. <laughs> right. Same thing you get here, and people are like." Okay, two weeks, your skin will get good. You'll start, you know, really pressing hard into the feet. And I feel like almost everywhere I go, people just keep saying, give it about two weeks. Yeah. So let's And then say, here, two weeks and four days, and then your skin starts falling apart. Yes. Yeah. Magic That's what happens. happened to me. Um, <laughs> but you know this, I think there are some things you can really do to mitigate this. Uh, I work with, or I uh, do some consulting with a guy out in D.C., um, who's been really fun to work with, but he wore, wears a lot of hats, has two kids, both, I think, two and three, um, multiple jobs kind of thing. And he was like, man, I don't get a lot of time outdoors. I feel like I am fit enough for my goals, but I'm just having trouble carrying over. And we actually ended up only changing more or less two things in his training, but um, one was to get more sleep, But the other thing that, uh, and this was so simple, but it was adding worse footholds to his uh, training wall. Mm, That's a big one, man. It sounds too simple. Um, So I was really fortunate when I lived in Chattanooga uh, that I trained at TBA. And at the time it was very much just, and it still is, it was a training gym. Um, There's a lot of benefit to old, slippery, polished holds in your gym. Oh, yeah. Just saying. Um, and the owner at the time was Luis Rodriguez. And it was one of those things I could pretty much be like, I could throw anything by Lou. I'd be like, Hey Lou, can I throw, can I screw a campus, campus rung into the middle of the 45 and be like, is it for training? I'm like, yes. He's like, cool. Show me how to use it later, but you're good to go. Um, so at one point I wanted to get better at using small footholds. So I was like, Lou, can I take the worst jibs in the gym and can I just screw them right next to all the handholds? on a couple of different like V4s and 5s. That way I can circuit them instead of tracking hands on the big feet or tracking feet on the big hands, um, I could just step on these tiny little jibs. Yep. And he was like, yeah, go for it. <clears throat> so I did that and I did like practice that. That was part of my warm up and cool down circuit every day for, you know, pretty much until things got stripped. So let's say a month and a half or three months, I forget what it was at the time. And it was amazing um, because I got a lot of practice using bad feet. Yep. So for this uh, guy that I was working with, he did the same thing because he trains on a home wall. It's kind of short, 
And the thing is, he like we both realized that when he would do his boulders tracking feet uh, to his handholds, he would get to the start holds, which were pretty large, and just ride as much of the boulder as yep, he could. Absolutely, the moonboard effect. Exactly. You, know, you just high step onto the start holds and ride it till you jump. 100%. So that's exactly what was happening. So I was like, okay, what you're going to do is you're going to get some small feet. You're going to put them next to every low hand. You only need to go halfway up the board because you're not going to use the upper half feet next to the upper half holds anyways. Yep. Um, and if it was a super wide hold, he would put a tiny screw in on either side of it. I was like, you know, do a boulder first, tracking feet, and then start doing everything once you've done it once and you're doing your circuits. Always repeat it, tracking on just the chips. Yep. And so we did that. We implemented that in the spring. He went out in the fall and he texted me like the first day out. He was like, Nate, I, he was like, all the footholds in the new feel big. Like everything feels great. Like I, he's like, this is the first time I've ever not had trouble trusting my feet. Awesome. Yeah. And so I think there are some things you can do that work really well for transitioning outdoors. Some can be really simple. Um, you know, ideally time outside, I think is one of the best things. Yep. Um, so if you can even sneak out, even if it's just like a garbage little bouldering cove. Yeah. And I'll say time on rock outside. What did I say? You said time outside. And some people will go climbing outside and like try their project on day one. Mm. And then they're only on the rock for 20 minutes out of the entire day, if that. Yeah. And that does not equate to lots of time on rock. Totally. Volume. So. Yeah. I mean, I think those are the basic tenets of it. Like you you just gave a really great way to prepare while you're in the gym to switch over. And then once you're out there, spend time on rock. Don't, you can immediately jump on your project, but make sure you're also getting in some harder warmups. You're finishing the day, repeating some things, you know, something to that effect so that you're not always just spending 30 minutes on your project, trying one move. Yeah. You know, that's not that effective for building up the the comfort level on real rock and transitioning all that hard work you've just put in for the last 12 weeks into your four-week season or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and it sometimes feels like uh, you're taking a hit because you're losing project days to, or project time yeah. to climbing volume. It's, but It's scary, man. Yeah. No, totally. I mean... You know, days are numbered. Mm-hmm. Like when it comes down to it, and especially good weather days. Um, but it's it's really important, especially for long term development. Yeah, and ultimately, I think you most of the time you'll get to the the send faster if you put those early days in to get comfortable. You're gonna blow right by the place you would have been at had you just started on the project and gotten stuck there on one move. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, All right. Take a break. Sounds good. All right. Break. 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 Hey, everybody. Chris here. I'll try to keep this short and sweet. Since this thing became officially official, I've basically been obsessed. I've got dozens of episodes waiting to go out, and I'm constantly recording new conversations. I want to continue putting this level of energy into it, and you all can help. We've created a page at patreon.com slash powercompanypodcast where you can help support what we're building. 
In return, even for as little as a dollar per month, you'll get access to the brand new We Scream Like Eagles podcast, which includes tips from our guests, extra conversations about hot topics, and Q&As with your questions posed to our guests. If you think it's worth more than a dollar a month, we've got other rewards available on top of the bonus episodes like stickers, ebooks, t-shirts, and training plans. So if you've been considering pitching in, now's the time. That's patreon.com slash power company podcast. Thanks a ton and back to the show. And we have returned. We've switched venues here. We've come into StarCraft, the power company spaceship. <laughs> Because the desert gets cold at night, y'all. Just gets cold out there. It was really nice when we started. Not so much anymore. Uh, where are we at here? I think we're at a question from Farmer of the Seas. And Farmer of the Seas says, walk us through one of your days in Waco. Include morning, warm up, and all the details. Um, we're not going to give you all the details. Um, but I think we can provide the the general, here's what it looks like on a bouldering trip when you're there for quite a long period of time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and for me, I'm, I'm a creature of habit. Like I could do the same thing every single day and be totally happy. Totally. We've spent a lot of time together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My wife is different. Um, but she has sort of just let me take control of the coffee breakfast situation, which then becomes the lunch situation most of the time. And actually more recently it's been, I get up, make coffee and start working and I'll do some work in the morning for about an hour before she wakes up. And then she just makes the breakfast I would have made. Hmm. Um, she's just given in to it because you know, <laughs> I've complained enough when she just wants that peanut butter and jelly for breakfast. So we'll make a breakfast that's like sweet potatoes, onions, eggs, spinach, sausage or bacon, something like that. Eat that and then also wrap up the leftovers in a burrito, take the burrito for lunch. For me, that's a big key. And I got that from you, actually. That's a big key to my days. Um, makes the morning go a little more smoothly, not having to really think about lunch. Mm-hmm. And midday when I get to eat one of those burritos that propels me for the next several hours because if it had if I was left to like making a lunch before I left it would be just grabbing you know some cookies or something and I would just flame out from sugar yeah in the middle of the day so so that's how my morning looks and then Waco if you haven't been here is an interesting system a lot of people complain um, that the regulations are just too much or too complicated. And really, they're pretty damn simple. And they're here for a good reason. Yeah. You know, this place would be absolutely overrun if they weren't here. Mm-hmm. Um, so you either have reservations for North Mountain, um, and it's a self-guided area, or you can go to one of the other East-West or East Spur and why is there no South Mountain? What's up with that? I've heard people refer to uh, the tip of East Spur as South Mountain. Oh, really? But yeah, it seems like it could have the spur could just could have been South. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. The directions confuse me anyway. When and I'm, there's Gilligan's Island. 
Oh, I didn't know about this. It's a little floating thing between west, east, and the spur. And see, that seems weird. It's between west, east, and the spur. Yes. That shouldn't make sense directionally. (laughs) Anyway, um, those areas, west, east, and east spur, you have to have a guide for. So either you have North Mountain Reservations or you've scheduled something with a guide to go on a tour, whether through commercial tours, volunteer tours, which I don't think we have to get into here. Um, But, or you can wait at the gate because Mm -hmm. they let a certain number of people on the north every day um, that don't have reservations. So some days we've waited on the gate, waited at the gate because we didn't have reservations. Some days we have reservations and we just roll right in. And oftentimes we're taking tours. You know, we have a couple of tour guides here who are friends that we really like going out with. Um, so we've been sticking mostly to to those couple of guides and, and they've worked with us and it's been great. Um, and then you just go out and try to make a plan that fits everybody's objectives for the day. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's, if it's a guided trip, the guide sort of has to play the politics and radio in that we're going to this zone. And if there's already someone there, you have to have a backup. And, you know, there's lots of politics that goes on between the guides and the groups of people. Um, only a certain number of people are allowed to be at one climb at one time. And so it can get frustrating and confusing. Um but regardless, whether you're on North or one of those tours, you still have to be aware of everyone in your crew's objectives and try to get people to those places at certain times. Um, the one thing I will say that we've done that I really like, and, and mind you, we have not been successful on all days uh, getting everyone to their objectives mm-hmm. and it being a pleasant experience for everyone. It's hard to do. There are a lot of days where I get really frustrated or Annalisa gets really frustrated. But one of the things I think is important is to get everyone to their projects early, like early in the trip. Let's go try these things. And then as someone is closing in on something, then you can say, okay, you've got priority today. Mm-hmm. And what time of the day is best for you to get to your project? How do you want to lead up to it? You know, would you rather just hang out and spot for the first part of the day? And then we'll get to your project second half of the day. Or do we need to warm up at a specific zone and go straight to your project and make that person the priority? And mm-hmm. then you'll just trade it right back when the next person is getting close. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, really in a, that's what my day looks like pretty much every day that I'm not working. And then I come home and I work a little more, mm-hmm. you know, and on rest days, I just stare at my computer all damn day. Yeah. So that's me. How do your days look? Um, pretty similar. You're a guide. Yes. So I do guide. So that's um, a little bit different. So I know that all that whole process very intimately, especially from the politicking standpoint and yeah. trying to make 10 people happy. I've paid more attention to that this year. It's really interesting to watch. It's a lot to do. Um, But I feel fortunate in that I'm a morning person. So when I'm out here, uh, I joke that I'm on the nine to five sleeping schedule. Mm -hmm. So I typically wake up in the fives. Uh, I'll go into the barn where there's Wi-Fi and no one typically feels like talking for at least 
two and a half to three hours, <laughs> right? Yeah. which is really nice. So yeah. I can go in, get some work done. I can read if I mm. want. Um, so I typically like to split it up between reading and working. Um, I'll typically like, you know, make coffee, read for about 30 minutes. Um, I'm trying to get better about just consistently reading all the time. Yeah. Because, you know, especially as a coach, I feel like it's important to always be learning. Um, so... As, as the owner of this business, I feel like it's important for you to always be learning <laughs> and for me to just stare at my computer. I can just keep passing information <laughs> along. Um, so, yeah, I'll do that. Typically read about 30 minutes, work about, you know, hour and a half, two hours, something like that, depending on whatever time I got out of bed and um, what time I'm going out that day. Uh, make breakfast, same thing. Veggies and eggs. It's classic. Mm-hmm. Um, eggs, coffee. Go out climbing. And man, when I can, I'm, my preference for warm ups, it depends where I'm at. But I've done most of the easy warm ups here, and a lot of I've done a lot of climbs here under V11. And so, uh, what I've been trying to do all here is I'll do some warm ups and then I'll go try and find out or find one of the kind of weird new sevens, eights, or nines or something like that mm-hmm. and go you know, do that as the end of the project or the, as the end of the warm up. Yeah. Um, and that's been a ton of fun because I either have just really weird things or really scary things left. Um, I did something. That the sounds other, like a lot of fun. Dude, I did one the other day. Things. I just didn't even pat it. I was like, there's no point. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I had a friend walk over there like, do you want, do you want an extra pat in a spot? And I was like, in my mind, I was like, it wouldn't do anything. And it would just cause you stress to, spots. I was like, no. I was like, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. And it's just like a V7 on North. But yeah, I was like, I'm just going to not, I'm just not even going to bring anyone else into this. Yeah. Um, but so for me, that's a ton of fun because I have these, you know, I've done a lot of climbing here as a guide and just having spent a lot of time here. So it's really cool to get to do something new. Mm-hmm. And for me, that builds that little bit of momentum. Um, and even though I may be projecting things that, you know, are somewhere between like V12 and V13, um, to do a new V7 that like maybe bouted me in the past or just that I never even looked at. Right. It's awesome. Yep. So I do new V7, new V8, or new V9, something like that. Um, and it kind of gets that process going of being creative with my thinking and having to fight for something. Yeah. You know, even, um, even if it's at a slightly lower level. Because um, to me, like, you know, to do V9, it's still hard. Because typically I'm not doing it with perfect beta versus, you know, let's say V11. Like a V11 I might spend two, three days on, but I'll have that beta completely wired. Right. I know what I'm doing. I could close my eyes and see every bit of the boulder. But, you know, if I'm trying a V9, I may have only been on it a handful of times. I may have only tried it for like 30 minutes. So, uh, you know, kind of just trying to stay, you know, paint inside the lines kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're going to have to fight a little more. Yeah, and so it it's really good. It like kind of gets that uh, fighting mentality going. Um, and you're working with imperfection, yep. um, which I really dig. Well, that's something really interesting that I didn't even think about when I was talking about my day or just the warm-ups. You know, I've been, I warm up with Annalisa every day and she's warming up for V5s, V6s. And... And it doesn't work every day for us to go up to her project so that I can finish warming up on it before I go to my project. Sometimes it's straight from the warm-ups to the project. Mm-hmm. So something I've been doing a lot of lately is just making up eliminates 
on the warm-up boulders. Totally. And like making up crazy moves. And, and we have fun with it. I give them all names. You know, <laughs> I've got all my warm-up limits named. I've been seeing them getting logged on 8A. <laughs> and, and I'll just do, like if I find a V3 I haven't done, I'll do it 18 different ways, you know, finding mm-hmm. every which way you could do it. Some of the ways are V7 or V8, but I'm... I don't need to go to a, a new V7 or a new V8 totally um, to get warmed up if I know that it doesn't fit the flow of the day. Yep. So. Yeah. No, and I think that's that's a really important point, and I think that's a very valuable skill to have is being able to warm up with what you have. Um, that's something that I you know I have a ton of fun with as well. I love warm up eliminates is like one of my favorite things ever. Um, the best warm-up eliminate in Waco is called Kitty Bills Are Piling Up, just so you know. Ooh, I'll have to look into yeah. this one. It's like a V5. It's really <laughs> good. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, warm-ups, warm-up eliminates. Um, try and do a new boulder if I have access to one. You know, if it's a huge hike, I may just not do it. Um, but I do if I can. Um, and then, depending on who I'm climbing with, I'll go to my project for the day. So if I'm climbing with someone else, like when I was trying full throttle, I'm resting right now and probably won't be able to try it again this trip. Uh, got kind of a finger tweak in my knuckle and it's really strange. It's like stiff and achy, but I can crimp 100%. Like I can crimp as hard as I want, no pain. Right. But if I grab this really goofy sideways pinch on full throttle, uh, yep. it immediately makes it ache. Yeah. So I haven't found anything else that makes it hurt except for that hold. Yeah, and um, it's smart to avoid it for now. Yeah, it's a bit frustrating. Um, yeah, I was totally. really excited about that. But um, to use that as an example, we would go out, um, so it's on East Mountain, go to the warm-up roof, climb a couple easy boulders, do variations on, there's like a four and a six there that are both nice, and I would do them skipping holds or maybe campusing or something like that because yep. throttle's a fairly powerful boulder. And then the way we would do it then was the person I was climbing with, um, she was projecting a V9 down the way. We'd get there. I would just sit and rest for a full three hours. Hmm. Um, I would sometimes go do some one-arm hangs on the backside of the boulder, just get my fingers ready, um, and I kind of like them. And, uh, but for the most part, I would just hang out for the three hours. I had really good service, so I was writing training <laughs> plans. Um, nice. I was actually thinking about if I was still going out there, I was like, man, it'd be re- I may even hike my computer out here because I have good enough service I could just set up a hotspot. Yeah, I've been doing lots of video analysis while sitting and waiting. Oh, yeah. Just recording voiceovers on videos. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was actually incredibly productive. I was getting, you know, three hours of work done every time I would go out there. And I made the whole Drew Mac video. That's right. While waiting for people. Which was super fun. If y'all haven't seen it, go <laughs> ahead and go watch that. Um yeah, so then after three hours, we would go and there'd be three hours left in the day. So we'd go to full throttle. Yep. Um, and I How would, did you warm back up for it? Uh, pull right onto the Crocs hold, the one that hurts me. No. Um, <laughs> that one breaks down really nicely because it, you know, it takes maybe close to two minutes to climb something like 90 seconds. It's a lot of moves. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would pull on to different positions, just pull on, hold them, maybe like shift my body weight around or like start to do the next move. The end is a V7. Um, so once I had, I would pull on the opening moves, just like pull on, hold, do that two, three times. And then I would do final V7, rest a few minutes, do one move down, fine, 
rest a few minutes. Yep. One more move down. And pretty much I would keep doing that until I got to, it's like, okay, this is the crux of the V for V13. Like, you know, so I pull on, try it, just do the crux drop. And then I would start trying it from the ground. So like give it a try, set a timer, rest for 15 minutes. I did that for about three hours. Yeah. So that was like, you know, <clears throat> my day. Um, and typically I would give it a handful of good red point efforts. And then wherever I found little hiccups, I would stop and work on those. And where I ended up going wrong was I, I was like, man, I'm just being a little bit sloppy in this crux section. So I'd spend a lot of time on this one hold that doesn't seem, it doesn't seem very tweaky because it's a pinch, but um, you hold a hard swing off of it. Right. And it was just kind of twisting my pointer finger a little bit. Like if yep. you imagine if you're going to give someone a high five, if you pulled your pointer finger towards your thumb, like that's what this pinch did. Oh, right, so right. it just kind of pulled it away from the other fingers. Yep. Um, and I didn't even realize it was happening until, you know, I went out after my fourth session on it. Uh, the next day I was like, oh, my hand's a little stiff. And this one finger spent a few days away from it, came back and second try back on it. Immediately the whole finger went stiff. Yeah. So called it, uh, decided I would take at least a full week away from that boulder. I think it's been maybe four or five days now. And like I said, it's it's fine on everything else, but I don't think I'll be able to try it again this season. Yep. Um, yeah. And you know, that's what I did with my knee injury when I mm -hmm. got here was like, yeah feel out things and see what's going to hurt my knee and what's not. And, you know, if something is just uncomfortable, I'll try it and see how it goes. But, but there are things I know I could climb right now that, that just hurt it too much. Mm -hmm. So I just avoid those and I'll go climb the things that don't hurt it. Yeah. You know, you know, and that's, it's kind of a part of pushing yourself in any sport. Mm -hmm. Like you're going to have, I don't think you should constantly be in pain. Like definitely not, especially if it's just one thing in particular. Like, you know, if you're like, oh, my shoulder just always hurts, kind of has done that for 20 years. It's like, well, maybe you need to look into that. Yeah, deal with that thing. But little mm -hmm. tweaks kind of happen. You know, you do, you Everybody try here right now has some little tweak. I mean, know, it, that they're working around. Yeah. Um, we, our friend Jeremy just the other day was talking to me. He has a knee injury as well. And I really liked the way he put it, that he he has to really decide where he's going to spend his knee capital. It, yes. You know, like, I know I've got four really good attempts before it starts to hurt a little too much. And this is the problem I really want to do. So I'm going to get really warmed up and then I'm going to give it those attempts, mm -hmm. you know. But I'm not going to go try other problems, no matter how enticing they are, that might cause me to spend my knee capital. Totally. Know? And I really like that way to look at it because, frankly, I don't, I've never known a pro climber who didn't have some sort of tweak. And I don't know many people who are going really hard who don't have some sort of tweak that they're trying to climb around or trying to manage. Yeah. No, it's, it's just a common, it's a very normal thing when you're pushing yourself. You know, I think if you're doing baseline training, you should ideally be healthy but during performance periods yeah like little things happen especially with climbing man like it's a fucked up sport <laughs> it kind of is like we're it, not meant to do this if i can heel toe cam in a waco and like dislocate my hip to do a move easier 
that's pretty much what I'm going to do. It's right. like, oh yeah, this move kind of subluxes my shoulder, but man, I can do it every time. Right. Like, <laughs> people would do that. People will like, do it, for sure. Yeah, I mean, and that's, you know, you definitely have to draw a line somewhere, but the best beta isn't always the most ergonomical. Right. Um, and that's just, you know, a fine line you have to walk. Mm-hmm. And it's every sport. I mean, I was talking with a buddy who's also a distance runner. And man, that's just like, when you're in racing season, you, like something's something hurts always. For sure. Like, and that's just, you know, it's kind of common. Like with climbing, we're very fortunate in that things are incredibly different. Boulders and routes are so different that, you know, for instance, I can't grab very odd specific pinches with this hand. I haven't found another boulder that bothers it yet. Right. Totally fine. Not a big deal. I have another thousand boulders in Waco to do. Like, that's super fortunate. Yep. I mean, mine, I could barely walk the next day after my, after I hurt my knee. I was so sad when I heard that. But I've found heel hooks here I can do that don't bother it in the slightest, Mm -hmm. you know? And I've found some really basic moves that do bother it, and I just walk away from those. And that's what you got to do. You know? So, that's the way it is. I I am glad, however, I'd like to just return to that for a second before we wrap this thing up, that you talked about warming up on the boulder but not just immediately giving it red point efforts. I think that's that's a super smart way to approach it that a lot of people just don't do. They just don't understand. I see so many people sit down under the boulder and start from the beginning every single damn time. And, you know, a lot of boulders break down in a really nice way that you can dial the top out before you do the crux move on your session you know if you if you do the top out four times as part of your warm-up it's far more likely that you're going to send when you get there Mm -hmm. and you're warming yourself up better for that specific problem you know i i did it on the rhino i would do the top out i would do a couple of the intro moves there were two three moves and a trans two moves and a like transition between moves that i knew were going to be really hard for me so I would warm up to the point where I could do those moves once each Mm -hmm. and then I would start from the bottom you know and the first move was one of the hardest moves for me so Mm -hmm. I wasn't just going to sit down and immediately go to the hard move yeah you know Um, and you know Annalise has been working on daily dictos and it, it breaks down really nice for that totally you can do the finish and then you can come down a move and do that and then you can come down and move and do that, you know. And then you've only got the two first moves to do. Yeah. Um, and I think too many people just don't do that. They just sit right down and start from the bottom. Totally. Or they even, if they do it, they don't. They don't do the things that intimidate them. Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, I'll be fully honest. When I was trying full throttle, there was a link that intimidated me for a couple, like. You know, for the first two days, I was like, I'm just, I, I want to just try it from the ground. I don't want to have to like try that because right. if I failed on that, then that's what I need to be doing. I don't need to be trying to send this thing. And it's easy to justify to yourself and say, oh, well, you know, I'll, I'll do that on the fly. Because if I did it, I might as well have done the boulder. Mm-hmm. But you need to be able to do that. Right. Like, and that's, that is a hard thing. And it's kind of cool because I think on my. Sometimes life, it feels like you're wasting it. 
Totally. Like, oh, well, if I did it from there, I could have done it from the start. Yep. You know, that's a really common feeling to have. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't change the fact that you should be able to own it from that link before 100%. you're starting it from the bottom. Totally. Couldn't agree more. And I mean, a good example. So on this boulder, um, there was one link that I was kind of worried about because I had tried it. I've tried this boulder pretty much like one session each year for the last like three or four years. Every year I would try it be like, uh, it still feels a little too hard leaving it. Um, you know, it was like kind of on the cusp. And this year I came back and I did the link on my first day, but that was like my project for the day was this link. And I didn't want to do it again. Like, right. you know, cause I was just like, well, what happens if I don't do the link? Like, mm-hmm. um, and I think it was my third day at the end of the warm up. I was like, I'm just going to go for it. Pulled on, did it without even like, you know, changing my breathing. Like got to the yeah. top, wasn't out of breath. I was and like, then your oh. confidence level goes through the roof. Oh my gosh. I was like, you know? I was like, fuck, I'm just going to like <laughs> own this thing. Like I just need to get here now. It went from being, man, I really don't want to try this. Cause that's like, what if I don't do it to, oh man, I can do this every time. And yeah. from then on, that was my end of my warm up and the end of my cool down was yeah. doing that link in the mental change that happened. I was like, oh, it's not even a question now. Right. When I get there, it's just gonna happen. I will do it. Yeah. And I mean, this was, you know, two days difference. Right. Um, so I think that's something that's really important. I mean, this applies to routes as well, but definitely with boulders, like, you know, do the hard links. Yeah, I think it's a known thing with routes. Like a lot of us understand it, but I don't think it's as as well known with people learning to project boulders that those how important those little links are you know i the same just to give another anecdote when i was just working on the rhino which ended up being my first v11 so i'm like working through this just just like you are with this you know which will be your first v13 potentially i'm working through this like breaking into a new grade and you know all these swirling questions mm-hmm. And I did think, I mean, I I thought in my, I mean, I remember thinking, why should I do that link? Because I can get there from the ground. Mm -hmm. So I should just climb it from the ground every time. Because if I stick that move, I'm going to the top, you know. Yep. But I spent a session falling off that move. And then I came back the next session and I came back with Drew Mack and he just came to support. He was he was done climbing for the day and just wanted to hang out. And and I did the link. And and he hadn't seen me try the start yet, so he wasn't even sure how it went. Mm-hmm. But he he spotted me for the link and he was stoked. And then I started from the bottom and I fell off somewhere. And he was like, "Fuck, dude! I didn't realize you just did it from three moves in." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah." And that's that's the part in the the most recent Drew Mac video where he jumps up and he says he's gonna do it. Oh man! You yeah, know, that's when he realized, oh shit, you just did this thing from three moves in, mm-hmm. and you just crushed it to that move. So when you when you actually stick that little transition, you're going to the top. You know, first time. And that's that's what I needed. I needed that link, and I needed that confidence of knowing. If I stick this transition, you know, switching my heel to a toe, then I'm going to the top. 
because there was still a question mark there. And it's a question mark you don't want to face. You don't want to be like, I could start there and still fall off four more times. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to deal with that, but you have to. Or, or you're just hoping you get lucky. And getting lucky is not a way to approach this shit. No. It, I was just having a talk with this about, uh, about this with a friend of mine the other day. The idea of belief and how you can have all the fitness in the world. You can be in perfect shape. All these things. You can have, you know, you could have dotted all the I's, crossed all the T's. But if you don't believe that you can do something, your chances of doing it are slim to none totally um and so i'll pose this question for you would you rather be physically fit enough to climb v12 today or believe that you could climb v13 Ooh, i had my answer until you switched the numbers up on me i would rather believe i could climb v13 so i think there are a lot of things that come along with that and I mean believe in a real way, not like in a delusions of grandeur type of way. Totally, 100% with you. You know, because having, you know, my, my recent bouldering has gone from, I've done V10 a handful of times. Pretty much most of the V10s I'd tried, I had done, but I hadn't tried very many. Now that I've been here for the last five weeks, every single day out climbing, I've climbed on V10, V11, or V12, sometimes multiple in a day. Mm-hmm. And that's far more than I've ever climbed on as far as double digits go. So now I I have this belief that like V9, V10, I can just do those things. Totally. You know, if I have a few sessions, I'm going to do them, period. And I think that's part of why I was able to put the Rhino together in four sessions because I built that belief of, oh, I can do all the moves on V11. I can do V10 in a couple sessions. I wasn't any stronger than I was when I got here, but that belief just made all the difference for me, mm-hmm. you know? And I've seen that happen with people over and over again once they believe they can climb something, and then if they can even move that belief of, I can climb this into, I can climb this consistently, or I can consistently do this at the end of my warmups, you know, or I can do this in a session, that sort of belief carries over massively to the upper end. So if I had the real belief that I could climb V13, then V11, V12 wouldn't even feel like a deal totally you know not even a big deal they just wouldn't feel like a deal yeah 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 I, it, it's something I think about a lot um, I've seen lots of people who are physically fit enough to climb V12 but yeah. aren't doing it I mean the difference between fitness and, and performance I think is enormous it's massive um, you know it's funny so my first 12B on site was Superfly in the red mm-hmm. which now is considered like normal maybe soft 12a right but the funny thing about it is after i did that i onsighted another like i don't know six or seven 12 b's in mm-hmm. the next year and in my mind i was like i onsight 12b now like this is what i do and that's what i did and it's so funny because it you know 
had it been 12A, maybe I never would have had that switch or right. it would have been later yep. for me to be convinced. But when I did it that day, I was like, okay, this is what I do. Like I can do this. Mm-hmm. And just having that belief to me is so important. Um, so yeah, and that's, you know, kind of tying back to where I was talking about doing warmups and doing new boulders. Um, I think that's one of the biggest reasons why it's important to keep adding new boulders to your circuit or not to your circuit to just what you do every day. Let's say if you are projecting a V8, doing a new hard for you V5, it tells you in your mind like, okay, I can get to the top of boulders. I can execute. I know how to pull on with the intention of sending. And that, you know, that does bleed upwards. Yep. And repeating things, you know, Mm -hmm. I think not, I think allowing yourself to acknowledge that a quick send wasn't a fluke is really important. Oh man, that's one of the most painful things for me to watch when people are like, oh, it was just luck or, you know, it would, it it would never happen again. And I'm like, no, just take it and run with it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, like for instance, this year, when I was here two years ago, I flashed Jigsaw Puzzle Mm -hmm. and, and I had jokingly a lot of times said oh it's red river 12a you know it's v4 at best Mm. because it's a notoriously difficult five yeah and then when i got here johnny lightning was like oh you can't fall off of this now coach (laughs) you know you've talked a lot of shit about this boulder you fall off of this now you're never gonna hear the end of it and i almost just didn't climb on it because of that Mm -hmm. and then i was like oh fuck that you know i'm climbing on this boulder and then once i pulled onto it and realized I can own this boulder even more than I did two years ago. You know, there's just that much more confidence. Even though it's only V5 and I'm working on V11s and V12s, that confidence still adds to my top level of confidence. Totally. And I think that's huge. Yeah. And repeating sixes or sevens. You know, if I I go back to a seven I'd already done, I want to do it with different beta. And I want to do a six three or four times with different beta, you know, just to build the confidence. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I'd rather have that V13 confidence for sure. Oh yeah. I think we've gone on a bunch of tangents here and I think that you have a meeting to get to. I do, yes. And we've been doing this a long time. So we've got some other questions from people that we'll just do another episode on. Sounds um, good. Because frankly, I think they could be their own considerably lengthy rant and episode agreed rant episode so um you guys know where to find us if you're in australia be on the lookout those you know those dates and times and all that information will be online soon and um you can find us on the instagrams at power company climbing you can find us on the facebooks you should check out that new drew mac video if you haven't seen it yet and um drew's not on twitter Um, Is he really not? I don't think he is. He's a social media uh, maven uh, of sorts. Good use of the word maven. And Drew is not on 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 Twitters. Neither are we. I don't even know how to say Twitter, apparently, because we don't tweet. We scream like eagles. This time, 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 this
It's time to 